Hello, my name is Ben. And my name is Arden. And we are your hosts of the Too Vague Podcast this week. How are you doing, Arden? I'm doing pretty well, sir. Enjoying my day. Yeah. And happy to be here. Excellent. Yeah, I'm happy to have you here. Anything exciting going on as far as your gaming these days? Oh, yes. I have uh, become entrenched in the Call of Duty pipe. Oh, Um, okay. So just been uh, crushing noobs, as it were. Right. Um, I won't laugh and say you said duty. (laughs) It's an easy joke. It's very easy. I've been uh, trying to counter that with uh, the Skyrim Battle Mage playthrough and uh, a whole lot of Elden Ring. Okay. All right. Got to collect those rings. Yes. Of Eld. <laughs> yes. Elden John's ring. Is Elden probably John's the most, ring. It's probably the most difficult. Is there an Elden John's ring? There, uh, there ought to be, honestly. Yeah. Uh, maybe we'll find that when he dies. <laughs> I mean, he's retiring, so. <laughs> oh, there we go. He's essentially dying. I just rolled credits on Cult of the Lamb, so I got through all that game. That mm. was so much fun. Such a great game. Cult of the Lamb is an interesting cross between, I would say, Animal Crossing and Hades. Ooh, yeah. I've, I've enjoyed the crap out of Hades. Yeah. That game is amazing. Hades was a lot of fun. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I played it a number of times. I had it on my PlayStation and I bought it again for my Mac when it went on sale. There you so go. Go to the coffee shop and play some Hades. Just get through those Tartarus levels. Yeah, uh-huh. it is so cool. And speaking of... Hades, one of the characters you come across is our word. Indeed. Chaos. Yes. The primordial. Yes. Our word doesn't include primordial, but chaos is our word for the day. And you said that that's what you wanted to talk about. Yes, indeed. I couldn't predict the fact that my cat would want to be on my lap right now. No, of course. That is chaos in effect right now as we speak. An illustration. Those things outside of our control that both terrify us and yet fill us with a nice warm feeling of kitty love. Yep. You know, Bash, that you are causing an avalanche (laughs) somewhere. Somewhere in the mountains Somewhere of... Somewhere in uh, the mountains of... Oh, man. Uh, the Himalayas. The just Himalayas. Yeah, Let's say Himalayan Himalayas. avalanche right now of titanic proportions just because you wanted to do just this. Just because you wanted to sit on my lap. Things have consequences. <laughs> so what was the reason you wanted to talk about chaos today? It seemed like something that you thought of that was kind of a, an important word for you or just brings interesting thoughts. Well, I've always... I don't know, I've always felt that chaos is such a huge factor in our life and it's one of the primordial like things that run the universe mm-hmm. in my mind just uh the fact that it is all pervasive it's everywhere and yet so simultaneously like we can't see it we can't understand it and we sure shit can't control it that's it's very essence is uncontrollable right And so I've always been sort of drawn to that just because I, uh, because it's something inexorable, something I can't comprehend. I'm a big fan of uncomprehendable things and I feel like the act of trying to comprehend them is a, uh, worthy venture. Yeah. Even if it amounts to like, you know, you being in the same exact place you've, you started, at least you're putting in the effort. It's the journey. It's the journey. Yeah. Yeah. The journey of understanding chaos. Right. Or exploring it. I mean, just, just an exploration of the of the concept or life can be, well, life is unpredictable. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing that says that we're going to be here tomorrow. So, exactly. I mean, you know, 
we're living chaos every day. And it's a scary thought. And can you be. Know, can be. I feel like people should have those scary thoughts every once in a while. It keeps us grounded. But then also there are things where it's like, since you don't know what's going to happen, it can be, it can also be a positive thing. That's true. I mean, it's not all dark and grim. Exactly. There's an opportunity for both. Mm -hmm. I think. And that's, that's what makes chaos so cool is that, you know, I feel like it's got a lot of, uh, it's got a bit of a bad rap as it were, uh, just for like causing all sorts of horrible things to happen. But simultaneously it, can cause great things to happen winning the lottery that that's an aspect of chaos right because it's such a like such a out there thing you never know if it's going to happen to you but it might right the chance is still there even though there's more of a you know what my my grandfather said to me once you have more of a chance of getting attacked by a shark in lake michigan than you do winning the lottery i was like Okay, I don't know where you got that data, but that seems made up. <laughs> this seems fake. Fake news right here, man. Honestly. Like I mean, Michigan. If you want to make the point that it's unpredictable, yeah. That's oh, fine. yeah. I wasn't at the point where I was a young kid who's going, uh, that's bullshit. But it's like, I'd like to see the data and the statistics <laughs> on that, please. Let's see it. Let's see the raw data, yeah, sir. Yeah. I, I'm going to need that. I mean, you in know. God we trust all others bring data. Bring data. Data is who we trust. Yes. Data is our God. We'll touch on the, the dictionary definition according to Oxford languages and okay. then we'll move into more discussion about chaos. Chaos. You know what? The the plural. There's a plural now. There's a chaos. plural? Yeah. What? Yeah, according to Oxford. Huh. I don't know. <laughs> that Oxford. Yeah, he's always coming up with crazy new ideas. I I always thought chaos was singular. But there's also the plural noun chaoses. Chaoses? Yeah. More than one. Yeah. What? That's weird. How how does how does chaos become multiple things? I'm guessing in the state of let's just pick a random state like Ohio. Okay. The state of Ohio has three different catastrophes occurring simultaneously <laughs> yeah um those would be all chaoses in different areas you know what i mean like oh, okay the, so more like chaos is in wherever in ohio that's just me spitballing just me just guessing but but i mean yeah the, how would you ex- how would you explain i mean i'd kind of get that it, it would be like localized chaos right if you've got one like say it's a snowstorm in right. the middle of ohio in the summer that's one chaos at the same time, you've got a tornado of sharks, one might say. A sharknado, A sharknado, if you will. yeah. Common, common thing in Ohio. Yeah. That's so also happening. So, so I see, yeah. That, that would be multiple chaoses, even though that's, you know, I, you could lump sum it all into one thing known as chaos, but... I think as a concept, yeah. I mean, chaotic situations, I, I don't know, it... We'll get into the discussion later. Yeah, about of course, this. of course. But but I mean, okay. So according to Oxford, I think his name is actually Oxford. Oxford, yeah. the Ox of Ford. I kind of imagine a Minoan bull man <laughs> at that point writing in a book. Yeah, about yeah. all the different definitions of things. The first definition: complete disorder and confusion, as it relates to physics. It is chaos's behavior so unpredictable as to appear random, owing to great sensitivity to small changes in conditions. Also in physics, the formless matter 
supposed to have existed before the creation of the universe in Greek mythology, the first created being from which came the primeval deities Gaia, Tartarus, Erebus, and Nyx. Ooh. Yeah. I got I know a couple of those, but I don't know Nyx. Oh, Nyx was in you you definitely do know Nyx. I do play, know play Nyx, Hades. yeah. She's uh she's the night mother pretty much. Yeah, she's the one who pretended to be your mom. Ah, gotcha. The fake mom. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Not your mother. Yes, Sorry. Yes. Zagreus. Yeah. Zagreus. Not Zagreus' yeah. mom. Those are our definitions. Textbook. You know what? I didn't put this down, but maybe I should take a quick peek at the origin part. I like doing the etymology yeah. or origin. I, I did a little bit of looking into that as oh, well. Oh, okay. Why don't you go ahead and take um, it? So pretty much the most literal translation of the of the Greek word chaos was uh, it translates to emptiness, void, chasm, or abyss. Yeah. Sort of like, you know, our universe. Uh, it's just a whole lot of, a lot of nothing. Right. Which... Right. I feel like uh, in today's world and how we process what we interpret as chaos, it is most certainly not emptiness. It's almost, uh, it's everything but. Right. Which is uh, an interesting little intersection where our definitions deviated because, uh, you know, I when I think of chaos, I think of like, you know, uh, snow flurries in summer, sharknadoes, uh, a rail, uh, a hail of rubber duckies which is most certainly not nothing the greeks were very much like oh it's just void yeah did you ever see the movie flash gordon i mean the 1980s flash gordon uh i've seen a couple clips but haven't watched all of it gotcha because there's one scene in there where ming the merciless is causing horrible weather on earth and one of the things that he has that he unleashes on the earth is hot hail. Ooh, what? <laughs> Boiling hot hail. That's hot nuts. Hail. Yeah. I love that paradox though. Yeah. That's great. It's just what well, but what it amounts to is just little tiny molten rocks. Oh. So I I don't know. That's not really hail. No, that's just that's like lava that's spewing. Hot rocks. Yeah, hot <laughs> rocks right there. That they ain't no pop rocks. Maybe that was uh De Laurentiis's uh, it's like we can't call them hot rocks. <laughs> it's just not gonna fly, yeah, man. That's, we're, that's we're just, just not gonna, it. We're just gonna go with hot hail. <laughs> hot hot hail. I like that. So you think of the things, the events in life that make up our life. As just chaos, or do you think of specific? Is there a specific event or events well, that you think is we, chaos, or is chaos part of our everyday life, and we just only recognize it when something something bad or crazy, really important or really yeah, you can say bad, but yeah, I mean, yeah. something that is impactful occurs. For me, I definitely think you know we can use our own agency to sort of combat that chaos. Yeah, but ultimately our agency will get trumped by chaos Mm -hmm. you can make a plan and you can enact that plan like to the to the letter right and even with contingencies too even with contingencies something something totally out of your control will happen and totally screw that plan up and then you're gonna have to think on the fly again and engage in your own chaos and your own like improvisational skills and um so, yeah, I think it's like it's something we deal with every day. Mm-hmm. It's something that we can try to combat. But at the end of the day, it's going to win. It's chaos is going to be 
around much longer than we are. So yeah, I uh, I definitely feel that. Yeah, it's going to be everywhere. But I mean, I think it's also one of those things that makes life interesting too. Oh, is the situations definitely. that occur and possibly the solutions to get out of those or to navigate those things also make life interesting. Absolutely. I think it you're right. I think it does get a bad rap <laughs> as far does. as in general because people think of chaos, they think of things that are inherently bad yeah but it's not always that it's not always that it's it's anything it's finding a 20 dollar bill on the ground yeah or uh, a case full of cartel money in the words of uh no country for old men yeah that's a bad kind of chaos right there yeah speaking of all these 80s 90s movies are coming to my head as, as we're talking about chaos and not the obvious ones mm. but when you talked about the money one of my favorite quentin tarantino scripts that Tony Scott actually made the movie of. It was written around the same time. I'm not sure if that was his first or his second script, but it was around the same time that Reservoir Dogs he wrote. Gotcha. And Tony Scott, director and brother of Ridley Scott. No shit. He, a brilliant, I mean, like his filming techniques and the scenery he does, Tony Scott is just amazing. It can be the shittiest movie in the world, But just the shots are just so beautiful. But anyway, so True Romance is one of my favorite movies. And talk about chaos. He goes to the pimp thinking he's going to get Alabama stuff and gets the wrong suitcase. And then they've got a suitcase full of Coke. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. And then hilarity and horror ensues. Absolutely. What just came to my mind, actually, you bringing that up, uh... I don't think it was uh it was a Robert Rodriguez and Quentin Tarantino flick, but mm-hmm. uh from Dusk Till Dawn. Oh yeah. That yeah. one it goes from our very real amount of uh chaos, you mm-hmm. know, two gunmen on the run with hostages trying to like get out of dodge. Mm-hmm. Chaos just throws another monkey wrench in their plans, i.e. with vampires. Spoiler alert, sorry, but uh Yeah. Yeah, that like it goes from the very natural to the supernatural at the flick of a dime, yeah. which I which I love and appreciate. Yeah, you don't you don't see it coming. I thought there was a chaotic event almost happening right there when Mango would be, with Mango being on your lap. He was gonna try. He was gonna try for it, but he he decided against it. Smart move, Mango. No lap time for you, buddy. Sorry, I got distracted. Okay, so from Dusk Till Dawn, the chaotic element being the vampires. Absolutely. Yeah facing the real world chaos of robbers on the run do you think that's a common theme okay so chaos as an element has an unpredictability right yeah extreme unpredictability i guess that's its whole shtick so do you think that's what makes good movies for you personally yeah i absolutely do because if you if you can throw a like a crazy left hook in there in the middle of a flick yeah it's gonna grab the uh, viewer's attention again right. you know because you've you've got that first hook you got the thing that pulls them in uh usually before the title card that's like that gets the attention hooked yeah and then if you can throw another unexpected thing in there bam you've got their attention again right and having more attentive viewers in a movie is like you can't can't go wrong with that now let me counter that by saying can't you put something in a movie that's chaotic that 
distracts you from the story or distracts you from something and is not absolutely does not make a good story because it's too distracting yeah you can sort of like i'm sure some directors try to like put in like a chaotic red herring in there yeah that ends up like totally taking away from like whatever the film was trying to do initially Mm -hmm. i'm having trouble thinking of like a specific example off the top of my head right um but i'm sure it's been done before where someone's like oh yeah this is totally a great idea and we're gonna run away with this and we'll totally get them nice and confused before we bring it all back together but inception inception ah that yeah that's a good one inception was such a uh i mean i can't say i like christopher nolan because i always feel like he's a bit of a tryhard when it comes to some some of his movies i've never seen tenant and okay. i don't really intend to because right. oh man just like I'm not, i don't know if i'm ready to give another three hours of my life to that guy and him just running me around you know my criticism of inception was the fact that the character the main character in that movie the leonardo dicaprio character right i didn't care about him okay i had no i you know the fact that he was stealing memories or whatever yeah so what so any of this bad stuff that happens to him it's like well i don't care about this guy so who cares what happens to you? Yeah. Right, right. So it was kind of like, who cares if it's a dream inside a dream inside a dream? And, you know, it was just kind of like trying to be overly complex just to be overly complex. Yeah, which, ugh. Whereas with Tenet, I got the feeling that it was a simple sort of idea that was confusing to keep track of, not because of the levels at which you had to track them but the fact that you had things events running in reverse and forward simultaneously but it was just one direction you know one so you play through or you see the story through the eyes of the main character and that character is inherently good you kind of care about the character as he's navigating his way through this whole situation and trying to figure out what's going on as People are moving backwards and forwards and doing the pincer move. And <laughs> it is really, I would say, it's worth checking out. Don't compare it to Inception. If Inception was what gave you the the bad taste, I say check out Tenet because it's very interesting. Okay. It's definitely one that you can watch it and go, I'm never going to watch that again. Yeah. Or you can go, I really want to kind of track the whole storyline as linearly as I can going through the whole timeline and trying to figure it out. That's how it is kind of complex, but it's, and it definitely looks very chaotic. (laughs) Yeah. At at times where they're doing things like to prevent other things from happening further down in time or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to, it's hard for me to explain it without giving stuff away. Yeah, so please it's don't. Just, I, yeah. I'd rather go in blind. It's a very unique movie, and I saw it at a time. It might just be that time that I saw it that made me so interested in it. I thought it was a great movie, and I've seen it since, and I own it on Blu-ray. So there you go. I would say check it out, and I'm a not a Christopher Nolan. <laughs> not a, like, he's, everything he, d- he yeah. does is amazing. It's not like that. I just think that this was just a very interesting concept and some of the things that they had to do technically to make it happen. Mm. 
as far as some of the fight sequences and choreography were very unique, very cool, looked really, really interesting. It made it look nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. So I'd say worth it. Okay. But anyway, so what were we talking about? Chaos and movies. Chaos and movies. Yeah. It's hard not to talk about Jurassic Park when you talk about chaos and movies. That's true, yeah. Because of the Ian Malcolm character. He was really nuts. It has been a long time since I've seen Jurassic Park, though. It's due for a rewatch. Yeah. The only person I always think of when I uh, think about Jurassic Park was uh, uh, Sam Neill. Oh, okay. I love Sam Neill. That guy's amazing. Yeah. I really loved him in Revent Horizon. Are you a fan of that movie, then? I am. Yeah. I've done a lot of research into it, and... uh, Pretty much like a lot of, due to a lot of studio interference, it was not as hardcore gratuitous gore as mm-hmm. it could have been. And without it, it definitely gets hurt a little bit because it's supposed to be a really grim, dark, screwed up movie. And uh, well, I when, mean, when you don't have that, it sucks. We talked about this offline about a game that you were, were looking forward to, Callisto uh, yes. Protocol. Callisto Protocol. I saw an interview where the main designer who is responsible for the precursor to Callisto Protocol, which is Dead Space, that movie, Event Horizon, was a big inspiration for them because the whole idea of hell mm-hmm. in space was just a unique concept to him. So yeah, so that whole thing with the creatures and the things that happen in Dead Space are inspired a lot by that and to some extent Callista Protocol also yeah I'd, I'd go as far to say uh, Doom as well even if they don't say it yeah hell and space that's yeah. that's Doom right there right in a nutshell this is me in a nutshell help get me out of this nutshell I'm being crushed no Doom and Dead Space definitely have that like there's horrible screwed up shit going on in space and event horizon really pioneered that in terms of like movies and uh just like i love that chilling line of uh sam neil when he's like where we're going you don't need eyes just the concept of like you know you're just you're screwed you're gonna be in pain you're gonna be tortured forever in some null void hellscape forever if you yeah. If he manages to get his way. And that sort of uh, almost metaphysical pressure is just, it adds to the fear level in mm-hmm. ways that a dude running around with a chainsaw just, just simply can't can't do. You know, they, they could have very easily gone the route of something like Hellraiser. Oh, yeah. Where you have something that is a specific, definable character that you're going against, but it wasn't really that in Event Horizon. It was just this concept of of hell and torture and, yeah, you know, this doom. your own inner conflicts coming to, to take you out or whatever. Yeah, right? almost coming to life around you yeah. and you, all your fears. And that was something I thought that, that they did really well with their character development was yeah. they each gave them these, like, past traumas and these fears that sprang up into raw life to yeah. come and get them like, yeah oh and killed a lot of them or i think i think pretty much almost all of them yeah. all of them get got uh well at the end like i think two three people maybe no two people got out if i remember right yeah thanks to old lawrence fishburne yeah ah what a g one of those guys who was in the in the coma initially after he first experienced it right there was oh yeah the kid yeah he had he got like he got freaked out, and then he uh, 
tried to like space himself through yeah. the airlock and they managed to stop it in time. Right. What right. A, and I think he was one of the survivors, right? Yeah. 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 They got him in like a med bay and I don't know if they ever showed him waking up, but yeah, I think he got out too. Yeah. Interesting. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you're supposed to say that before you start talking about oh, it. But, but it's you know just, ah, it does, interrupts the flow. Exactly. You, as usual, you have crystallized my thoughts mm-hmm. eloquently. Thank you, good sir. I used to go to this dance club where they would always play Event Horizon on all the projector screens. Really? It was this goth industrial club. Oh, well, uh, okay, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That tracks. <laughs> and I would go there and I would draw and listen to the industrial and goth music. God, and it's... also uh, they had a, a Contra arcade game that I would Ooh, play. Nice. Yeah. Contra is classic. I can almost, I think I may have done it once or maybe twice, get through a whole game on a quarter. Oh my God. Yeah. Nice. That's actually, that's kind of legendary. Yeah. I kind of, I got that down. I I really, that was one of the games I played over and over and over again. So back in the arcade days. Gotta love, gotta love those cycles. Yeah. They made you work for those victories. Yeah. Talk about music that sticks in your head, man. Oh yeah. When you think of chaos, do you think of mathematics at Uh all? You know, I I think uh, I think mathematics are almost a uh, counter to chaos. Oh, really? Because they they put things in values. They're mm-hmm. like, okay, this thing is the equivalent to four, which is also equivalent to something else. Uh, to take for instance the Fibonacci spiral, the mm-hmm. the golden ratio. Right. right like right. these are things that are mathematically perfect. Right. And when I think of chaos, I. I don't think of this like set in stone perfection. Right. You know, but I, now I'm curious. You piqued my curiosity about how chaos could be rendered into mathematical equations. Yeah, I mean, it's a theory. I mean, chaos theory was a branch of mathematics. Um, let me just make sure I've got this right, though. Of course, of course. Chaos theory. I, I know that it looks like a pelvis. What? Yeah. What the, looks like a pelvis? The the oh, sort of you're the talking graph, about the, you're the talking about the Lorenz, chaos theory. Lorenz attractor is yeah, what you're talking about. That's the, what I'm talking about. That's the thing where it goes around two different mm-hmm. circles. Right. It yeah. looks like an infinity sign uh, yeah. at certain angles. Chaos theory is an interdisciplinary scientific study, uh, scientific study and branch of mathematics focused on underlying patterns and deterministic laws of dynamic systems that are highly sensitive to initial conditions. So these are systems that very small deviation mm-hmm. can cause great impacts. And there are a lot of illustrations, the the one being, you said the pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> we'll I'm sorry, it just looks we'll just like a, it the pelvis. Looks like the pelvis. Yeah. The theory was summarized by Edward Norton Lorentz, not to be confused with... Edward Norton. No. <laughs> a fight club this is true. No, no, very true. <laughs> and actually, now that I look at the article, it says, not to be confused with Edward Lorenz, Edward Lorenz, mm. Edward Norton, ah. Ludwig Lorenz, or Hendrik Lorenz. Man, a lot of similarities. Yeah. yeah. So Edward Norton Lorenz was an American mathematician and meteorologist who established the theory as a basis of his work on climate predictability and meteorology and how to predict the weather. 
Ah. Discovery of deterministic chaos profoundly influenced a wide range of basic sciences and brought about one of the most dramatic changes in mankind's view of nature. Since Sir Isaac Newton, according to the committee that awarded him the 1991 Kyoto Prize for Basic Sciences in the Field of Earth and Planetary Sciences. So that sounds kind of counterintuitive. Yeah. Basic sciences. <laughs> just all basic science. We, we know you just discovered deterministic chaos, but right. Uh, right. there you go. Basic science for you. I think that's one of the confusing things about chaos theory is people think that, like you said, about the math, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like it's not something that is mathematically... Equatable. Right. But it's not exactly that. It is the fact that very, very insignificant looking changes can have... Massive consequences. Like a butterfly flapping its wings. Yeah. Which which also has been misconstrued. That that <laughs> yeah. did you see the butterfly effect in the movie? Oh, the butterfly yeah. effect with I Ashton Kutcher. I have. When that came out and I saw that movie, I was like, that has nothing to do with the butterfly effect or chaos. Mm-hmm. It has everything to do with making a change in a linear fashion. Yeah, and seeing the and effect. The change will affect. It's not an insignificant change. It is a change that changes the course of whatever the thing is, and that's just a tree. It's a, yeah. It's just you know, it's it's causality. It's it's cause and effect. You it's, go back and in it has time. Nothing to do with actual butterfly yeah. effect or yeah. chaos. Yeah. No, definitely. It it was definitely. It seemed like you know to me it was it was cashing in on the it was cashing in. Yeah. And it definitely struck me as like uh, more of like creating a new world line to Mm -hmm. use time traveler lingo yeah of like okay i'm gonna make a significant change about how i reacted to one situation and that will have drastic effects in the future because he took drastic actions with almost every change he did right stabbing his hands at one point it wasn't it wasn't an insignificant change no like it it wasn't like he went looked in the mirror and he plucked one of his eyebrows Mm-hmm. And then some crazy stuff happened. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's what it should have been more like. Like, if, oh, if, I, yeah, if yeah. he was actually yeah. going about a butterfly effect change. Yeah. yeah, this is not exactly chaos, but it sort of is related. There are some superhero characters that have this ability to change the probabilities of things. Right? Ooh, yeah. Yeah, these probability sort of things. I don't know if you ever watched the television show Fringe when it was out, but there was a very interesting sort of episode where one of the people that they were investigating could predict the outcomes of things so well that he could see where something would have to happen in order for something to happen, and then it would. So like he would place a pencil, and instead of it being perpendicular to a surface, he puts it parallel to the surface and then it causes some safe to drop on some guy or whatever. So it wasn't easy to catch him murdering people. Yeah. Cause all it was such a minute change. Right, exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I thought that was always an interesting concept as far as being able to predict those things. Something that seems like you wouldn't have a correlation between yeah, and things. having that sort of uh, link into causality, just seeing how every minute change could have those drastic effects would be quite the amazing superpower yeah. to be used for good or ill, you know? 
the Deadpool movie had someone who could do that. And I think there was a flash episode where one of the powers was this, this person who was perpetually unlucky in their life. And then all of a sudden the luck completely twisted in their favor. However, what that did to everyone else around them was it caused the opposite. So catastrophic things were happening to people because all of the probability of her existence had changed to make her just skyrocket. The luckiest person, which is, you know, I mean, it's one of those concepts that's an interesting thing to talk about uh, probably more often when you're high than any, mm, yeah. anything else. Not that I would know that, but how but do you it, quantify luck? Yeah, you know? exactly. And, and odds, where do those things come from too? I mean, yeah. it's just, it's an arbitrary assignment based on what you think the odds are, but you can't figure that out. No, you can't, you can't like, can't arbitrate odds. You can't quantify them because it, you know, it's random. It's kind of chaos. Yeah, it can be. I mean, that's the thing too. It's like you can, every permutation of every single action, you can maybe assign some sort of a numeric value as to how likely something's going to happen based on history, based on these things, but you're still missing exactly a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of information out there that you just don't have access to. Right. And then also chaos plays a part because who's to say what's going to happen that wasn't you didn't see that. Exactly. Right. I mean, shit will blindside you. Proverbial shit. Proverbial shit. The proverbial shit. The amalgamated shit of all things. Yes. That is Edward Lorentz who pioneered the concept of deterministic chaos or simply chaos and the pelvis. One of the other cooler sort of illustrations, I think, of chaos is what's called the dual rod pendulum. Have you ever seen that I have not. Basically what it is, it's a half circle. Okay. And in the very center of the circle, there's a rod. It's got a a swing, right? Mm -hmm. So that can swing all 360 degrees. And then it's connected to another one that has a rod that's the same size that's also got a swing that can swing 360 degrees, right? And what you do is you let... I feel like the way you're saying it is going to mostly just swing that 180 degrees. No. I can show you the illustration of the chaotic behavior. Okay. So, So look at the two representations of this. Okay. The one at the top is the simple. You see the one with the... Yeah, and and then the graphic of it. Yeah, and then it graphs the tracing of what that looks like. And then if you scroll down, there is another illustration, but it has three that are released at almost insignificant numeric values and how they drastically varied. So you can see how widely... And varied it can be. Yeah. Because they, they stay the same on. at first and then they just start yeah. going all over the place. Yeah. So that's the dual pendulum model. And there are so many of these things that represent chaos. There's things like fractals, which mm. you can zoom in and it's a unique sort of orientation no matter how far you zoom in. It just gets deeper and deeper. Yeah. yeah. I love fractals. Those things are amazing. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of Muppets. So I don't like them. That's fair. You know, they had that TV show, Frackle Rock. Fractal Rock. Frag- oh, wait, it's Fraggles. Never mind. Okay. <laughs> Forget about it. Forget about that. 
No fraggle rock here. I never said no fraggle fraggle chaos. Muppet chaos. Anyway, chaos. I think we got a new uh, a new Muppet movie there. That'd be great. But any other things you think about when you think about the word chaos? The word chaos. Um, because there's only one other thing for me, and that's this song called "Daughters of the Chaos," but it's spelled with a K. Ooh, old school then. Yeah, that's the more Greek style. Yeah. Oh, yeah. With her, <laughs> I thought you were calling me old school for the music I listen to, but it is kind of old school because they're a band called uh, they're called Luscious Jackson. Luscious Jackson. All right. They chose that name because there was a basketball player named Lucius Jackson. Okay. So they just named their band. Luscious Jackson was the first band signed to the Beastie Boys. What is it? Was it Grand Royal or Crown Royal? Crown Royal, I'm pretty sure, is a whiskey. Grand Royal. Grand Royal. All right. So it was Grand Royal. They launched it in 1992. Their first band they signed was uh, Luscious Jackson. The drummer of Luscious Jackson was one of the first members of the Beastie Boys when they were doing punk stuff. So she was the drummer in both bands. Nice. So that's just kind of a... The tying. Tying the the two together. But Daughters of the Chaos is one of these... Spoken word kind of sounds rappy, kind of sounds. It's got like a flamenco style guitar in it. Ooh, nice. It's, yeah. When I think of music and chaos, because, you know, music is sort of put in order to the chaos or embracing more of the chaotic virtues of music. Um, two bands come to mind. Both of them have a lot of the same members. The first one is Mr. Bungle. Oh, who, yeah. Whose beanie I'm wearing right now. Yeah. Uh, gotta rep him. Uh, that's um i forget the name of the guitarist it's like trey something they're from chicago california California. actually okay. uh eureka i gotcha. think mike Patton was the vocalist leading man yeah he'll go from singing in english to italian to horrible mewling and grunting in the span of like five minutes and i think that embracement of that level of just like where randomness where where is he going to go next was amazing to hear in music especially like when i was growing up i was listening to kind of a lot of hip-hop that was popular during like the early aughts Uh um and so like once my dad introduced me to that i was like oh my god i had no idea music could be like this like between mr bungle recording albums um the guitarist the bassist and the drummer from mr bungle they started doing their own thing, which was Secret Chiefs 3. Okay. And these guys, they pretty much did little to no vocals, except for maybe, like, just shouting, screaming, yelling. Uh, I remember one lyric specifically was, Ow, that hurt! And just in the middle of, like, banging sounds and breaking glass. Um, Mm. So it's really more of this, like, sonic attack that they did, uh, along with a lot of those songs that they were recording. They did like soundtrack style music. Okay. So you'd have this sort of dissonant, disordered, chaotic nonsense along with these flowing, almost like cover like songs that would really try to surge up within you emotions that certain movies or movie soundtracks would do. Right. These were like contrasting styles or contrasting. Very much contrasting. And they, I'm sure that they knew exactly what they were doing with that. Yeah. Their music really, that's, that's what I think of when I think of chaos as well in terms of uh, sonic sound. Okay. I had a friend who really liked Mr. Bungle and I think I may have listened to him once and just 
didn't listen to them again. That's okay. They're 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 a tough sell. They're not for everyone. No, yeah. not at all. You know what I thought of? I was hoping that you weren't going to go here. I was thinking that you were going to go jazz. Uh, well, you know, I I would go jazz if I listened to a lot more freeform jazz. But for some reason, man. When I listen to jazz, I I love the old stuff, like 1940s, 30s, 50s. Give me that shit, and I love it. But the more freeform jazz, I'm just like, oh, it's kind of a headache to listen to. Yeah. The, which I, I, I guess feels a little, uh, a little hypocritical of me, because I will listen to just people screaming and glass breaking. But when I, when I start hearing brass and woodwinds instruments just going... For like four minutes i get i get a little tired speaking of things that are difficult to predict you can't predict that right? no I not mean, at all you know very very difficult to what is the so much so you can't even pick out a beat it's just sound have you ever seen there was a a kids in a hall sketch about jazz no i haven't it was bruce little bruce mm-hmm. it was called jazz schmaz jazz schmaz and it was just him talking about his hatred of jazz while two jazz musicians were being like there was a track that kind of zoomed in and zoomed out and the musicians would come in and come out and it was just an interesting kind of mechanism right Mm -hmm. one of the things that he says is this i'm going to ask a question what sort of music do you think there is in hell you know he double hockey sticks well i think it's probably hateful freeform jazz Ooh, yeah and heaven, country and western music. Ah, yeah. That yeah, makes sense. <laughs> of course, heaven would just be all violins and, and all that shit. Ugh, no harps. Maybe a harpsichord? Oh, definitely a harpsichord up there, sir. Have to be. Let's get into video games. We got in a little bit to video games, speaking of chaotic stuff. Oh, yeah. But what do you think of uh, as far as video games and chaos? Got to bring it back to the game I've been playing a whole lot of, Call of Duty. Uh, that game, uh, specifically in the multiplayer aspect, is total freaking chaos. Yeah. Normally, in some shooters, especially online multiplayer shooters, what they what the devs want you to do is sort of have a line warfare. Mm-hmm. You and your teammates are all going to be spread out along a line, pushing for territory, and the enemy team's going to be either defending or pushing back against you. Right. Thus, sort of like this weird world war one trench warfare thing yeah in call of duty modern warfare 2 it it does away with that you are just sprinting around a sand like this skinner rat maze Mm -hmm. and you have to be ready for whatever comes your way be it a frag grenade coming out from the other side of the map some guy i'm proning outside of a door just waiting for you to run through it like a dummy or uh, someone to just sprint up to you with a knife and just go, Wah! cut you once, and that's that, game over. Right. So that definitely, it's chaotic, playing that game. So it's new, right? It's the new? Very new. Newest one. Did it just come out? Yeah. Uh, I think it. they did the beta test, like, I think in oh, September, and a, then they came, then it came out in October. Okay. So it's uh, about two months old now. Hmm. A little two-month-old video game. It seems to be a very polarizing as far as looking at some audience ratings. I mean, I don't like ratings in general. But I mean, it's like, yeah, don't trust them. Who, who knows with this spamming uh, and stuff, but it seems like a lot of people are very on the 
on the fence uh, about it, like as far as either they hate it or they like it. or So they're not on the fence there. Yeah, they're polarized. Uh, they're an extreme. So for me, as someone who's played like a lot of Call of Duties over the course of, of, course of my life, mm-hmm. I think it sort of harkens back to some of the older Call of Duties. Yeah, I've, I've heard as much. And where that polarization comes from is uh, streamer culture. Okay. Like a lot of people who are into the streams are into a very specific sort of breakneck speed style of gaming. And definitely in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the 2019 one, that paid off. That really, really worked mm-hmm. for how the game played. And uh, so they could do their thing, which was just sweating buckets and... Uh, going as hard as they possibly could for hours and hours and hours i am definitely more of a more of a casual multiplayer gamer so i kind of like the fact that they've slowed down the gameplay the ttk or time to kill as it's called that happens a lot faster than it has done previous games so and that that's where i think the biggest dichotomy or uh split between people is because they don't like the fact that it no longer caters to them. Okay. And uh, and then there are other people who are like, oh, this feels like playing Call of Duty when I was a kid. What about proximity chat? Proximity chat is a great addition. Okay. And I think it's awesome. Okay. Because that allows for, in the sort of bigger map mode uh, called Warzone, mm-hmm. it allows people to kind of connect with each other in a way that they couldn't have done before. If you roll up on an enemy team, which is like out of ammo, low health, low armor, you can chat with them and they can be like, okay, you know what? Fuck it. Let's team up for a little bit. Let's see how, how many other people we can take down. Right. So it's good for like impromptu planning or, uh, just for funny laughs. Right. You know, you could be like, oh, uh, or you could use it to disorient people say like, oh, crap, I'm out of ammo. And that'll make the enemy team that you're sort of baiting run up to you as you're holding like five different RPGs and fully loaded MLG. So you don't really know what you're going to run into. You have no idea. Yeah. And what is the proximity? So it's not the whole instance. It's within a certain range of that. Yeah. I could not tell you the exact like specifics of uh, how, how big that area of radius is, but it definitely is. I think it's fairly small because you don't want to be like just chatting with your homies in the, in the, in the voice chat and then have someone like sneak up, not saying a word and then kill all of you mm. so i think that it's probably a fairly small radius okay like same building right. i would say okay because i heard there was someone who was basically being a taxi being a taxi yeah. really who was driving people from place to place on the map <laughs> some guy started sort of an uber kind of thing and now role plays as a taxi i love driver. that no that's awesome other players have also taken a liking to the taxi driver side job, published a clip where he earned a few extra dollars as an Uber driver to scrape together the 5000 US dollars for his loadout. Huh. There you go. As a free service, he even sings for his passengers, including the 80s rock hit Your Love by The Outfield. Hmm. Anyone who's played... GTA Vice City will definitely know the song. Taxi drivers now. I love that. But it's only a matter of time before someone screws that up and pretends mm-hmm. to be a taxi driver and takes people out or whatever. Oh, yeah. it's It will happen, I'm sure. Yeah. 
And who could have predicted that would happen? Exactly. You're just letting the player base kind of do their own thing, yeah. which um, if you look at like Halo Forge, that's prime. Letting people's creativity flow in a game space is so good. Yeah. And you get to see a lot more creativity in, some, in something that you probably normally wouldn't have. Right. That's the positive thing. You also That is the to... positive thing, yeah. So have you gotten any game-breaking sort of I mean, how polished is this? I've heard a lot of people say it's not. My biggest issue with it so far has been its UI. Okay. Its UI is extremely laggy. So, like, if I wanted to, uh, like, you can create a bunch of different custom classes, and each custom class can be super different from the other. I try to set up mine to respond to specific situations if there's a bunch of people, like, hold up somewhere. I go in with like an SMG and a shotgun, or if they're more long range, I get I have my sniper custom class, and so the issue issues really shine when I'm like trying to quickly swap between classes, and then some of the class images don't show up. So I've had to name all of my classes very specific things in order to figure out like which one is which. So there's a workaround, but it still shows that that they don't really care about how things flow and even as far as the main menu goes if you want to play multiplayer you have to flick through three different screens to get to it if you want to play warzone you have to flip through several different screens to get to it so it seems a little gratuitous like i feel like they could have just organized it like way better mm-hmm. uh and they could have made it um they could have optimized it a lot better too yeah so as far as like polish goes, that's my biggest gripe. Actually, uh, there's one more gripe. Private matches. Okay. Inaccessible. My game crashes every time I try to start a private match, huh. which is absurd because private matches are just, you know, they're like for couch co-op. What are you playing it on? I'm playing it on the PS5. Okay. Which, you know, usually runs Cyberpunk, no problem. They're aware of this, right? Yeah. I am absolutely positive i am not the only person on the internet to uh to have complained about it yeah. and i'm sure i won't be the last no. but i think it's just you know it's a it's another symptom of this huge sort of like issue that a lot of video game companies are just not caring about they because they know that if they release a game that people are excited about even if it's shoddy and unfinished people are still gonna buy it they're still gonna give them their money yeah and so they feel that like hey meh, fuck it i can just come out with this and uh, deal with it later in further updates i don't think that they purposely no no it may it may not be yeah and that's the thing it's not the developers making this happen right no it's, it's the producers but I think a lot of times people will attack people who work on the game where the person making those calls or the people or the board or the shareholders Mm -hmm. are making those calls yeah it's people it's not yeah it's not the people who are working on the game they're probably doing the work the best that they can to make sure that there aren't any bugs but part of what i think the problem is these days is the chaos introduced with the system of we can deliver your patches by web right we can Mm -hmm. deliver we can you can download a patch so we come out with this game if we need to patch we can do it patch it on the fly right totally however 
those patches, depending on which system you go through, something like Sony, my understanding, it's not a process that you want to go through and it does cost. It's not something that's like, okay, well, we'll just download it and we'll, we'll be okay because it's, you know, there is a cost associated with putting your patch up yeah. and having it download and going through that whole process. It's not like they're just doing this on purpose. They're losing money on it. Mm-hmm. Because they have to, they have to pay people to get the work done, right? And actually put in the effort to it. And yeah, I definitely don't blame devs. Devs get the short end of the stick ninety yeah. percent of the time. Yeah, because they uh, completely made up statistic. They do, and it is. Yeah, it's uh, the the whole. I know what you mean. It's like they do a lot more than they should. A crunch culture too. Right. I think is not a good thing at all. Yeah. It makes people tired and overworked, and then you've got like board members like banging their fucking whip. Yeah, it's like he, get this out, get this out before the quarter ends. Here's an, a thing about crunch culture, and this is from my perspective as someone who has been a part of an environment where we had to work uh, extra hours mm-hmm. to get something ready to go gold. Yeah, we had to work extra. And yeah, that's crunch. But it's still one of those things where it's like you weren't forced to do it. Okay. Right? Um, no one's holding the gun to no your head. No one's holding the gun to your head. They're paying you your extra time. But the thing is, it needs to be done. And at some point, we're going to cut off all further changes. So if you don't catch the things, it's probably going to fall on you to identify those things and fix them later. Right? Yeah. So it's in your best interest to put your effort in before it releases so you can make sure you get it as clean as you possibly can. Yeah. I think with the way work and the view of work is changing, and part of this has to do with the way social media also has responded to this. No, I'm sure. Crunch culture is, it's a part of the gaming industry. It is part of every industry that has something that's a product that you develop and you put out, right? Mm -hmm. It's probably a part of every single one of those things and to some extent. The unhealthy nature is when you, don't reward you insist that people do it you 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 know this is just people who do these things that make it bad are bad managers they're not bad people it's like you you know living in a culture there are people who want to do that who want to work the extra hours to put this thing out and that because they're proud of it so i think saying crunch culture is bad as a blanket statement i think crunch culture has gotten a lot more publicity lately because of social media and therefore and other media yeah it's something that people point to and say that's a bad thing without actually saying that's part of the software development culture that's part of what it what it has been doing successfully and healthily plus like you know it is a way for more people to earn a little bit extra cash so that they can maybe have a better christmas for their families or so on and so forth but something like modern warfare too man that's a monumental task right there making sure that it's perfect before it gets i can't out the door. imagine doing it myself because i i i'm a i'm a coffee jockey <laughs> how much hate speech or things of that nature have you heard in your time on modern warfare 2? um kind of a lot not as much as i would have if i was playing the like 20 Oh, God, when did it come out? Like the 2009 uh-huh. Call of Duty Modern Warfare, just because, you know, the 
cultural zeitgeist has changed a lot since then. We're like, you know, not about that. But right. yeah, you definitely have the have the off case. Usually it's about one person just like dropping the N word, dropping a lot of slurs. Right. And it's like, oh, it's it's disgusting. Yeah. It's disgusting and disheartening to hear. And that's it. it that's what kind of sucks about having to having to play online with a lot of a lot of other people. You're going to hear some horrendous shit from other people. Yeah. Um, what about gender bias? I'm sure that that happens a lot. Yeah. Uh, sadly, yeah, I mean, hasn't really happened to me as a, as a white male, but, mm-hmm. um, no, it's definitely, definitely still there sometimes. Uh, though it has gotten better. Mm-hmm. Um, I was playing it like a couple nights ago and there was a team that had like a couple girls on it and they were all chatting and talking. And so as, as equals. So, that gender bias is not as extreme as it once was. Oh but God, yeah. yeah, it's getting it's so much better. So much better. Thank, but it's still a problem. It's still a problem. Mostly, I you know I'd attribute that to uh, you know streamer culture uh, mm-hmm. doing something good, showing that mm-hmm. like yeah, a bunch of women love to play video games. Yeah, and it and they're good at them. Right, Jesus, right. and we can't, we shouldn't judge them for that. Yeah, the whole yeah the whole GamerGate thing that kind of. I don't know if you knew about Gamergate. I've, but I've heard the term, but yeah, I don't know the specifics. It, just a, a, a group of people organized that were heat against women playing video games and how they're making, you know, it, it, it bears it, right wing, they're yeah, right wing all, overlap all bright kind of nonsense, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's good though that the, uh, the people who are the players mm-hmm is becoming that that whole player base is becoming more diverse that is very cool yeah it is even if the industry itself is taking a little bit longer to catch up with that yeah yeah activision and blizzard are kind of the not not been great about that no especially in the workplace yeah chaos so it was just the chaos of playing the game that you think about yeah and just uh how the game plays is very chaotic um (laughs) because it isn't polished not because it isn't polished i think that's just um it's just how how the game rolls yeah it's all about just the total chaos of uh insane over-the-top warfare gotcha and uh it make it makes my brain go clickety click and i and i like it the other other video game stuff that I wanted to mention ends up being more lore based. Mm-hmm. Case in point was uh, Elden Ring. Right. In that game, there is uh, a bunch of these eldritch beings sort of vying for power. Okay. Over the the setting of the lands between. Yeah. And the end game is that you become you take up the mantle of the Elden Lord. And in doing so, you kind of have to choose which of these eldritch beings that you want to align yourself with. Mm -hmm. One of these things is called the Frenzied Flame. And it's uh, weird. Like, you can come across certain places in the game which have been afflicted by this Frenzied Flame. And it's this madness, this yellow fire that spews out of the eyes of those afflicted. Mm-hmm. And they're insane, bent on destruction and entropy and chaos. Right. And here come the spoilers. The very end, if you align yourself with uh, the Frenzied Flame, otherwise known as the Three Fingers, the world gets devoured by this all-encompassing flame. Okay. And it 
goes back to this sort of primordial oneness and destruction and madness. And that, to me, is sort of the end result of chaos, is Mm -hmm. to become one, and everything becomes one. Total loss of individualism, no self, uh, because there's only one thing, chaos, the frenzied flame. I thought that was interesting that you also mentioned the word entropy too yeah i love the word entropy it's like my handle on like almost all things internet now is actual entropy and most people don't get it because i'm just like high iq like that (laughs) and people are like are you entropy and i'm like yep completely entropic yes that is i yes so yeah interesting so those are your chaos things yes i Uh, wanted to talk about something having to do with related to chaos but you're familiar with procedurally generated content. Ooh, yes, indeed. You've got procedurally generated content, but you also have random sort of content. Yeah. There was an article that I read from Game Developer Magazine, which was published a while ago, so maybe there are some changes. It was published in 2015. Okay, yeah, that's a bit of... It tries to draw the distinction between randomly generated content and procedurally generated content. And the distinction that they make between the two is that procedurally generated content is where the game itself will create original content for the player to explore or use and not use a pre-designated thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think they, they do get used interchangeably, And I think most systems in computer gaming are a combo. I mean, they have to be, right? Yeah. I mean, you procedurally generate a dungeon. There are certain things you need to specify as far as how they connect together. You can't just have the computer just generate. I mean, maybe, you know, there's still a list that you have to populate. You have to pick things off a list. It can't just create things out of thin air. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and that's the random generation. Yeah, um, it seems but, like procedurally generated is not really the computer creating its own thing. It is, it is random. It's randomly generated stuff, all picked out from a folder somewhere in the depths of the game files. Right. Like the only what I what I can recall from like a procedurally generated thing would be. Uh, the maps in Diablo 2. Uh-huh. Every time you start a new game, the map layout would change mm-hmm. and where things were would also deviate. And so I definitely saw the words procedurally generate rather than randomly generate. But right. that isn't to say that they, you know, they didn't use a combo of both, of course. Right. They had to. I yeah. mean, you know, something like that. Yeah. I think, you know, you use random selection systems even though the computer is making some determinations yeah the end product is they both end up in a randomly generated thing so why is there the the distinction i I, you know i mean i guess there's a fine line between the two but it seems like you're kind of splitting hairs yeah honestly yeah because yeah there's very little difference between those two to my mind and it's pretty much yeah it's interchangeable at that point you could just say you could say just as easily say something's procedurally generated as it is randomly chosen from the 
available pool of assets that they have. Right. Or like you, you have a random number generated in this range, and then that determines what number of characters or enemies you put in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And then you got some other thing determining where you randomly place them for spawn points or whatever. But I mean, it still seems to me just to be, I mean, random generation. I don't know. Someone who's smarter than myself maybe needs to explain the difference. Where The keystone you know, differences. Yeah. yeah. People say also in this article, an example of procedurally generated would be Minecraft. Okay. Yeah. You know, you get a completely different environment, set of elements, enemies, resources, blah, blah, blah. But that just still seems like it's selected. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're still going to get creepers. You're still going to get skeleton archers still and so randomly, on. You know, it's still, you're picking from a list. The end product is the same, right? Mm-hmm. Have you ever played Risk of Rain or Risk of Rain 2? No, I have not. That's a very solid roguelike that also uses a lot of procedurally generated stuff. Mostly in the terms of like where chests will spawn. And then depending on uh, where the chests spawn, not depending on it, but after you pop open a chest, a randomly generated item will appear chosen randomly from its pool. That game also, I think, does the procedural random generation like really well uh, to the point where like I don't think you'll I'll ever have a chest spawn in the exact same location every time because uh, like the maps usually stay the same. You'll either have like a open field as the first level or a snow driven like little forest thing but how items appear within those maps is you'll have no idea what's coming or where to find things it's gonna have to you're gonna have to run around and look there are a couple games like that as long as the gameplay and game mechanics are solid um that doesn't necessarily bother me like something like hades right I mean, that has an element of that. Dead Cells also has an element of that where segments of dungeon are connected by the system, kind of tiled together or pieced together to make it a unique dungeon every time you play it, as unique as it can be, right? Yeah. There's probably some element of randomness to most games. It's it's a fine line to walk, man. It's it's so fine that your eyes blur, you know, and you have no idea what's truly random and what truly isn't. Such as life, you know. Such as life. On that note, do you have anything to say about chaos, the closing words? My closing words for chaos are to accept. Just accept. It's going to be a part of your life, and trying to uh, dissuade it is an impossible task. It's an exercise in futility. Indeed. And know that, you know, it's not all bad. It's yeah. not all bad things. Chaos is just as good as it can be just as bad. It's everything. I think I agree with that. Chaotic situations are by their very nature unpredictable and therefore Mm. spending any kind of energy on trying to predict those unpredictable situations is, is not productive. It only brings about worry and negative feelings and whatnot. So, and those aren't good. No, especially when it comes to mental health. Oh, hell no. My last last quote is uh, from from my main boy Tyrion. Chaos is a ladder. Okay, it's not a former. No, it's a ladder. You use it to climb. Gotcha. Well, on that super dumb dad pun, 
Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the Two Vague Podcast. My name is Ben. My name is Arden. And we've been your hosts. Have a wonderful night. Have a good night. Bye. Bye.